most people that I know in traveling the country that are engaged in spiritual warfare, especially weary intercessors, many of them, Chris, I've met are suffering with sickness and disease in their bodies because they are worn out, because they are focused on a realm they should not be focused on. And I asked the Lord, I said, why are there so many sick and afflicted among the intercessors? And the Lord said, because their focus is in the wrong place, and they are engaging in things that I never asked them to engage with. They are, I'm calling them to intimacy, and they're always trying to march to the battlefield. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. Mark Casto is with us today. He's a pastor of the Shepherd's Tent in Covington, Georgia. And he is host of the Family Table Podcast and author of the book, Liar, Exposing Myths in Spiritual Warfare. That's our topic today. Pastor Mark, thanks for joining us and welcome once again to Charisma Connection. Chris, thank you so much for having me again. It was such a pleasure, our last interview, and I'm looking forward to it today. Yes, and I hope people will go back and look that up on the CPN Show's website. Uh, We talked last December about your ministry and your testimony, and uh, after listening today, I'm sure they'll want to go back and listen to that as well. And by the way, before we talk about your book, Liar, I happen to notice that the city you're in, is it Covington, Georgia? It is. It's called the Hollywood of the South. Why is that? Well, Hollywood is here constantly recording movies. Uh, Hallmark records their Christmas specials here almost every year. Um, Ah. Remember remember the Titans was recorded here. Sweet Home Alabama was recorded here. There's been like uh, almost close to 90 major uh, motion pictures that have been recorded here along with TV shows and just they're in and out of here all the time. Oh, I see. It must be a very beautiful place. It really is. It's got that small town feel. And uh, it's funny, you can come to our city in August and our town square looks like a blizzard hit it because Hallmark will cover our whole square with snow and record their Christmas specials in the middle of 100 degree weather. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. By the way, I yeah. should tell you that our producer, Adelie Anderson, is is one of Hallmark's most avid fans, so she may be visiting <laughs> you in Covington. <laughs> yeah, come on and visit us. You can, you can watch them record, and you never know what you're going to get. You could be walking uh, into the square, which we live right off the square, and run into a bunch of Hallmark actors and actresses. So she she would be in dreamland if she came and visited us at the right time. I think she would. <laughs> well, Pastor Mark, uh, we have a more serious topic to talk about today, and that is sure. spiritual warfare and uh, what we should believe about it. Now, in your book, you mention that you believed one particular lie. What was that lie? Well, I believe that the, you know, the the premise of the book comes from a quote by Martin Luther, and he believed that one word exposed all the plans of the enemy, and that is liar. And, And basically what I am proposing in the book is I am allowing people to really peer into my own process of coming out of an overemphasis on the demonic and, and learn to rest in the finished work. And so when it comes to that one lie, that one lie is that you believe Satan still has authority. And the only authority that the enemy has in the life of the believer today 
is is an agreement with the lies that he tells. And so it's the same trick. It's the same lie that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. And that lie on this side of the cross is the only way that he still has authority in the life of the believer is when the believer still believes that he has something of somewhat of authority over mankind still. Hmm. That's a, that's something we don't often think about. So, Mark, how do you live in, how do you rest in the finished work of Christ? Well, I think when it comes to the finished work of Christ, we have to ask the question, what has Christ accomplished on our behalf? And I grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic world. My father was a, a pastor and leader, and we grew up under some pretty strict religion and legalism, which produced a really fragile gospel. Um, no one was assured of salvation because our salvation was based upon our works. It was based upon our behavior. It was how many, it was, you know, how many chapters of the Bible were we reading or how much time we spent in prayer and have we been disciplined? Did we make any mistakes this week? And our our salvation was based on this roller coaster of emotions based upon how good our actual lifestyle was rather than the faithfulness of Jesus and how Jesus finished the work, completed this work of salvation, and now our salvation doesn't rest on our behavior. It absolutely rests upon Jesus' faithfulness on our behalf. And the Father, Yahweh, he has made a decision now to exclusively see us through the lens of his son. And that that revelation is is what I say allows us to rest in the finished work. And I can tell you in my own life that when I came out of the behavior modification and came out of judging myself based upon my performance, when I got out of that and started really focusing on what Jesus had accomplished in me, it's amazing how the sin cycles and the sin management and the sin consciousness left my life as I began to quit navel-gazing and looking in at who I, who I thought I was and start looking at Jesus and who he said I was. And it produced a, a thing in me, a holiness on the inside of me that I could have never gotten to in all of my endeavors and pursuits of, of legalistic approach of behavior modification. It's very interesting to think of the concept of sin management. We we spend time yeah. managing our own <laughs> our own sins and how how much we do and how much we don't do. Yeah, it's it's so true, Chris. Because you know, basically, what we did is is we we were taught to get mad at sin and say, "Oh man, you know, the the, the devil's fighting me and and the sin nature and I'm I'm being tempted and." And, and if I get mad at it enough, I grit my teeth, I'm going to repent again, and I'm sorry I'll never do this again. And we get aggressive toward the sin rather than looking to the source of the forgiveness of our sins. And I'm telling you, the, the principle of 2 Corinthians 3.18 is we become what we behold. You know, the, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled faces are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into that same image. Well, there's the spiritual principle. You become what you behold. And legalism and, and religion has taught us to behold our sin, to look at how, you know, to look at our depravity, to look at our Adamic nature, to look at the sin nature and get angry at it and get aggressive with it. And, and we've become really good at convicting people of sin, but we've done a poor job of convincing people of righteousness. 
And that's the shift that I'm making in my life. It's a shift that I believe this book, Liar, is helping people make. It's, it's not all the answers for spiritual warfare. It's just taking um, your mind and your focus off an inferior um, realm and getting it set and focused on the superior realm that will bring you into holiness, that will bring you into the image bearer that you're supposed to be in Christ. And so, again, it's, it's really wild. People try to manage their sin, and they behold, and they're constantly looking at it, and then they wonder why they keep repeating the cycle. It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. If you want to get out of that lifestyle, you've got to quit looking at it. You've got to look to the author and the finisher of your faith and l- allow him and that image to become you know, what you behold, and what you behold, you become. Tell me, Pastor Mark, sometimes we find a demon behind every bush, so we're beholding the demons rather than Christ. What do the scriptures say about how demons and Christians interact with each other? Well, I think that, you know, Chris, if we look back at the book of Daniel, you see this picture, this amazing picture of um, Gabriel interacting with Daniel after 21 days of fasting and prayer. He talks about Michael and the prince of Persia and how that held back his prayers. And that's an Old Testament example. Then Jesus in the New Testament talks about, you know, a spirit when it's cast out of a person, when it leaves a person, it goes through dry places looking for a place to rest. It'll come back to the house from which it was sent. And uh, and when it sees that there's a problem or it sees an obstacle there, that it can't get back in, it tries to go find seven spirits stronger than itself to try to retake that house. And those those are a couple of interactions, an Old Testament example, a New Testament example. However, again, the focus of my book is not really on the interaction between demons and the believer. My focus on the book is really the interaction of you and Abba, you and the safety of Christ. And in that safety of intimacy, we find our greatest allies that protect us while we're enjoying intimacy with the king. And you can see this all through the Song of Solomon, is the angels are the warriors of the kingdom who guard and protect our intimacy. And so, again, the focus of the book, we've got tons of books out there about the interaction of the demonic world with Christians. And, again, go back to what I wrote in the book There's only five words mentioned in the entire New Testament for the words war and warfare. And those particular verses are not actually connected to the devil or the demonic. It's connected to our faithfulness in devotion and single-mindedness upon the person of Christ. So the real war that we are fighting is a fight of focus on the source who protects us and keeps us in the armor of God. The focus is never to be on the demonic. And we have in in religion, we have glorified and magnified a a realm that has already been defeated and stripped of its power. And so again, my book's not really on the interaction, because there's tons of how the enemy moves through the flesh and the mind, which is the real fight, is the battlefield's in the mind, the battlefield's in the flesh. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus has done something And he has made a way available for you to have a renewed mind. And he has deprived you, according to Romans chapter 6, of your sin nature. And he's disarmed principalities. So if you know those two truths, that the sin nature has been deprived, which is the playground of the demonic realm, 
and you know that principalities and powers have been disarmed, then should we really be focused on demonic interaction as Christians, or should we be focused on the intimacy that keeps us under the shadow of the Almighty that protects us from that realm? Does that make sense? Yes, and when you talk about focus, of course that does tie into renewing your mind. How can Christians best renew their mind? Obviously we need to be in the scriptures, but... Is, are there ways to meditate on Scripture that would really help us to renew our minds? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I think that um, any believer that is listening to this podcast today that has found themselves with this inferior fascination with the demonic realm, one of the things that you need to do is quit trying to figure out the tw- 25 characteristics of Jezebel or an Absalom spirit. And you need to get in the gospel and start peering through all of what Jesus has said and done, what has been accomplished on your behalf, and meditate upon those truths. I mean, again, people can, we get so caught up, this, this is so, this is, this is such a reality as I've traveled all over the country preaching, we have become, really, in the demonic realm, we have become experts in, 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 the, the dark realm, and which is an inferior realm, and we've become novices in the knowledge of God. And people will people will say this, you know, well, Mark, we can't be ignorant of Satan's devices. Well, first of all, that one scripture about being ignorant of Satan's devices, in context, if you keep it in context, it's about unforgiveness and bitterness. And, and Paul is saying, look, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, which are nothing more than the, 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 the acts of the fleshly nature. And and so if you put that in context, but also people have used that verse, don't be, you know, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices to give people permission to become experts in that. And when we become when we made the decision as a church to be experts in the demonic and novices in the knowledge of God, that is where this this the the past 40 years we've had this really what I believe is a perversion of spiritual warfare teaching is when we made the decision, we can't be in Satan's devices. We became experts in a realm where they're defeated and stripped of their power. And when we became novices in the knowledge of God, we know, according to Hosea, God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I want to say there are many people listening to us today that are living in constant warfare and to the point where most people that I know and traveling the country that are engaged in spiritual warfare, especially weary intercessors. Many of them, Chris, I've met are suffering with sickness and disease in their bodies because they are worn out because they are focused on a realm they should not be focused on. And I asked the Lord, I said, why are there so many sick and afflicted among the intercessors? And the Lord said, because their focus is in the wrong place and they are engaging in things that I never asked them to engage with. They are, I'm calling to them to intimacy, and they're always trying to march to the battlefield. And so, again, this fight of focus is so key. We've got to get our focus out of that inferior realm, and we've got to get it back into the realm that matters. That's a beautiful thing to think of resting in Christ in that way. But I want to talk to you about warfare because Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the full armor of God. Could you explain what that really means then? Well, for for me, if you want to talk about the full armor of God, is to be reminded that it's of God. 
And and so when we look at the helmet of salvation, that is a picture. Of, it's not a picture of the Roman soldier. It's a picture of the armor of God. So it's the helmet of salvation. So my mind needs to, Paul is giving us an example in the natural to show us a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality is I'm not putting on this armor of God in hopes that it will protect me. I stay in the armor of God to, to knowing that it will protect me so that I can jo- enjoy being in God. I mean, you can see this throughout the, the, the entire New Testament. It's about being in Christ. Christ is in us, and we are in Christ, and he is in the Father. It's the beautiful answer of John 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed, that we and the Father would be one as they are one, and, and just this beautiful picture. So the armor is of God. And so I'm resting in him, knowing that the finished work or salvation is what renews my mind. So I'm protected because my mind is shielded with the revelation of salvation. I've got the breastplate of righteousness, which protects my vitals. It protects, it protects the things that are important to me. So I rest in the revelation that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you go through the whole thing, the armor of God, and what it is, it's a revelation of the truths of the gospel that protect us from that inferior realm of darkness. So you don't see some, see the armor of God as something that we need to, each morning before we leave the house for the office or wherever, you know, I have to now say this out loud that I'm putting on this helmet of salvation, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, if that's where you are, that's fine. Um, because I've done that. I've been there. I started there. But I think we also grow in Revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's like I'm, I'm not going to ever say it's wrong for somebody to get up every morning and do that because I know, uh, again, today I write books, but there was a day where I was in kindergarten learning how to write my ABCs. So I have nothing wrong with people doing that if that's where they're at. But eventually you have to grow in that revelation and realize that the entirety of the New Testament and the results of the finished work is you have you are now in union with Christ. So when, when I wake up in the morning, I'm in Christ. When I go to sleep at night, I'm in Christ. When I'm on the job, I'm in Christ, and, and I'm co-crucified. I'm co- I was co-buried, and now I'm co-resurrected with him. So my union doesn't exist because I got up this morning and said, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. But, you know, and again, if that's where you are, that's fine. But it's time to grow in that revelation and realize that you are in the armor of God. You are clothed and robed in righteousness from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, even if you forget to say ABC 123. And I think that many people have turned spiritual warfare into a formula and forget that spiritual warfare, our, our key to victory is our union with Christ, not in our works of even spiritual warfare. And that's my problem that I have with spiritual warfare today is we're not allowing people to rest in Christ. We're, we're putting them back on the treadmill of performance and telling them, you've got to use this formula for this demon. You've got to use this formula for this attack. You've got to, and it's like, no, 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 you need to rest in Christ, and Christ and the warriors of the kingdom will protect your intimacy. And it's amazing. I've, I've been able, we've sold thousands of copies of this book, and the emails that I get are amazing. We do an e-course, and and I've been able to talk to people who took the e-course, and they're like, you know, Mark, they're like, it's so crazy 
when we made the shift out of the inferior realm and our fascination with the demonic, and we put it, our focus on Christ, it was almost as if the attacks were completely eliminated in our lives. And I told them, I said, because if you focus, if you do what demons want you to do, which is focus on them, they'll keep showing up. But if you keep your focus on Jesus, guess who will show up? Jesus will show up, and principalities and powers cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. So, yeah, that's, that's been my goal, is I just want to see people rest in this finished work, and they're never going to rest if we continue to, to use spiritual warfare as a formula rather than just helping people be convinced of their union with Jesus. Toward the end of your book, Liar, you say that this is the hour of great dominion for the church. Why do you say that? Well, I believe this is. The, I believe that the Lord is restoring the apostolic nature of the church. He's restoring us back to relationship. He's delivering us from the rituals and the traditions of men. He's putting us back in the garden. He's inviting us back to the garden of intimacy again. And in that garden of intimacy, when we get in that garden, we begin to understand the original mandate for mankind, which is be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and take dominion. And I believe the church has lost. Now, now I want to say this because this can be really confusing to some people because people see the church growing. And um, they're like, how could, how could you say this? Yes, we've been growing in a sense, but at the same time, we've as we grow in numbers, we're not actually transforming the culture. And I think that what has happened is the church has done a real good job at entertaining and and not done a great job actually equipping the saints so that we can actually transform the cosmos. We can actually transform the globe. And so one of the things that happens as we begin to engage in intimacy, we get restored authority. We get restored dominion. And we can't, again, you can't just show up once a week listen to a preacher preach, only pray when you're in the house of God or pray when you get in trouble. Um, you can't be a loosely connected and, and non-existent devotional life believer and actually have dominion in the earth. With restored intimacy comes restored authority and dominion. And as more and more people answer this call to come back into this lifestyle of devotion, we are seeing the saints begin to emerge with power and authority and we become, from intimacy, the image bearers, the manifestation of the sons of God. And I love this in the Passion Translation of the Bible. It says, all of creation, all of the earth, is in earnest expectation. They're waiting on tiptoe, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So as we come back into restored intimacy, finding our identity as sons, we begin to manifest the image of Jesus, and that great dominion begins to be released all over the earth. Well, that's a powerful thing to end with, but is there something that you would like to have us meditate on as we conclude today? Yeah, I think, I think you know, one of the things that I would say to people listening today is the, is the same warning that Paul gave to the church there in, you know, the, the church of Colossians. And he says this in Colossians 2.8, he said, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. And in another uh, translation, it would say, because of their philosophies. And Paul was saying, listen, one of the things that's going to keep you in, in the fullness of Christ is you're going to have to beware that no one distracts you 
with their their vain philosophies. And in that word philosophy was Jewish Christian ascetics, where they busied themselves with refined and even speculative like inquiries into the nature and classes of angels. So they were concerned with the nature and classes of angels, which is angels of God and the fallen nature of angels. They were involved in the Mosaic law and Jewish traditions as it was regarding practical life. And Paul said, when you see people constantly pointing at the, at the angelic realm, whether the, the redeemed realm or the fallen realm, he said, you need to beware of those people because they are pretenders of wisdom. And basically what he's saying all throughout Colossians 2, and I encourage every listener today to really meditate, spend some time in Colossians 2, and it says, beware of these people that are preaching this overemphasis on the demonic realm. And he says, because in Colossians 2.20, he ends with this. He says, because of what Christ has done, not only are you dead to the religious system, but you're also dead to the realm of darkness. And so now, as New Testament believers, we should live only in one reality, not the reality of an adversary, but in the reality that we have been restored back to the presence of the Lord. And that's where we should live each and every day. Absolutely. And would you like to take us into the presence of the Lord right now by praying for our listeners? Absolutely. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Father, I just thank you today for this opportunity to share your word, to share the good news, to share of your victory over the, the realm of darkness. And there are people listening to us today, Lord, that need a touch from you. They need a revelation of you. They need delivered from this fascination of an inferior realm, and they need an encounter that will usher them into your presence. So today, I ask for your grace to be released upon every listener that may be struggling in constant demonic attack, finding themselves in constant warfare. And Lord, would you release your angels, and would you release your presence and lift them up above the snake line. Lift them up into the up here place where it's, it's four living creatures and 24 elders casting down their crowns, and it's thunder and lightning. And may they learn to live in that realm where the demonic is not allowed. Call them up here. Lord, release the call of the come up here. Come out of the inferior fascination and get caught up in the superior fascination of the knowledge of who you are. So, Lord, we just release that encounter today, and I ask as they inherit those encounters, would you establish them in a seat of peace? Would you establish them in good news? And the result of that is that they would live in peace and learn how to rest in your finished work. And we thank you for it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And if people want to reach out to you, I think they can find you at Mark. Casto Ministries, right? MarkCastoMinistries.com. Yes. Correct. And and M-A-R-K, not M-A-R-C. And yeah. uh, Casto is C-A-S-T-O. So once again, MarkCastoMinistries.com. You can find out more about him, his church, his podcast, and his books there, including Liar, which is subtitled Exposing Myths in Spiritual Warfare. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark, for being with us once again on Charisma Connection. Pastor or Chris, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you just allowing me to share my heart and 
being so gracious to interview me again. Thank you again. Well, you've said so many things for us to meditate on here today. I certainly appreciate it. And we want to rush right off and look at Colossians 2 first, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm Chris Johnson, and you've been listening to Charisma Connection. And be sure to take some time to go to cpnshows.com once in a while. And that is where our Charisma Podcast Network resides. We have plenty of shows there for your uh, spiritual uh, nourishment. And uh, that would include Strang Report and Green Lines and lots more Charisma Connections. So once again, that's cpnshows.com. Thanks to producer Adelie for being with us today, and thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.